Hey, this is Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the iHemp Revolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using hemp for people, planet, and profit. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp and cannabis can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products, boost the economy and business. So are you ready to join the iHemp Revolution? My guest today is Heru Aforiata. Heru is the Senior Vice President of Ocean Thermal Energy Corporation, where electricity is made from the temperature differential in the ocean waters. He serves as Special Advisor to the University of the Virgin Islands Caribbean Green Technology Center, working on renewable energy policy, planning, and legislation. Heru is the CEO of Lightworkers, Inc., providing sustainable living development projects and education in the Caribbean. He is certified in solar installation and design. He is a former attorney and former adjunct professor of constitutional and criminal law at Miami-Dade College. He lectures and conducts workshops worldwide on the science of the human endocannabinoid system, cannabis oil, extraction techniques, illness reversal, and legislative policy. He is the founder and CEO of Herbal Results a healing herbal extraction and research company that has developed their own cannabis extraction techniques. So, Heru, welcome to the iHemp Revolution. Yes, uh, thank you for having me. So you live on St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and my world headquarters for Coach Freddie and iHemp Revolution podcast, as well as the Caribbean Hemp Association, is also here on St. Thomas. Can you give us a little more background about yourself, where you were born, your education, and how long you lived on St. Thomas? Yes, uh, I was born in Ghana, West Africa, and I was raised in Chicago, Illinois. Um, spent my time there um, when I turned 18. I went to university at uh, Tufts University, where I got a degree in biopsychology, which is uh, corollary to uh, neuroscience. Uh, that's from Tufts University, so I got my Bachelor of Science there. And then I went to law school and got my Juris Doctor from uh, Northeastern University School of Law. Practiced law for a few years, retired, and uh, ended up traveling the world. And started an internet company around uh, music downloads and cultural uh, products. And um, that website is called movementunes.com. And I got involved in renewable energy, as you mentioned, uh, with solar installation and design. I've always had an interest in sustainability. And then I got involved in herbal extractions and also studying uh, cannabis and the human endocannabinoid system and uh, started the company uh, Herbal Results where we specialize right now in uh, the herbs, uh, particularly uh, olive leaf extract where we manufacture it and uh, the olive leaf extract has been doing wonders in terms of people's health and that really came from 
um, a study of the cannabis plant. And because of the illegalities of the cannabis plant, I had to find another plant that uh, also engages in full-spectrum healing. And uh, that became the olive leaf plant. And so uh, in the meantime, between time, uh, while the world works out the laws around cannabis, we've been using uh, olive leaf extract to get some great results. And the reason why it's working, I ran across a study that uh, the active ingredients of olive leaf which is all European, that's the name of the active ingredient, actually stimulates the CB1 receptor, which is the cannabinoid 1 receptor. And so it's able to do uh, pretty much what cannabis does in terms of stimulating the human endocannabinoid system. And so the the key to health, uh, which is being discovered by so many people, is really stimulation of the endocannabinoid system. And cannabis is the main plant that does that. However, there are other plants that stimulate the endocannabinoid system as well. And I'm getting very good results with olive leaf extract. So that's what we do with herbal results. So the human endocannabinoid system, how does that actually relate to hemp and cannabis? And what are some of the benefits there? Yeah, so uh, what scientists have found out is that the human endocannabinoid system, and not just the human, but also the mammalian, uh, endocannabinoid system uh, actually is the most proliferative system uh, in the body. Uh, it's more proliferative than the endocrine system or the limbic system or what have you. And it is the main messaging system for the body. Uh, a lot of people, when you first tell them that, they, you know, they become very skeptical. But then uh, we realize that a Google search reveals that most people haven't even done a Google search. Uh, those people who are skeptical about cannabis and the cannab- endocannabinoid system, when they do a search, they, they get very surprised that all of this stuff is well-researched, well-documented. Uh, one of the main scientists who spearheaded this was a scientist, is a scientist called Dr. Raphael Makalem, and um, he's credited with rediscovering the human endocannabinoid system and also synthesizing THC. So uh, THC is the most famous cannabinoid that comes from the uh, cannabis plant. However, there are many other cannabinoids that work together with THC. The uh, other cannabinoid that is getting uh, a lot of press these days is CBD, cannabidiol, and um, that is non-psychoactive, and it's been uh, featured in a lot of the... Uh, documentaries by Dr. Sanjay Gupta in terms of uh, reversing uh, epileptic seizures uh, in young children. And um, so to make a long story short, uh, you have this endocannabinoid system. It's the main messaging system uh, for the body, and it also handles homeostasis. Homeostasis is defined as the perfect resting health for an organism. And what we're seeing is, is that most sicknesses that people are having is because their endocannabinoid system is completely deficient. It's not being fed. So the reason why it's called endocannabinoid system is endo meaning inner. So it's your inner cannabinoid system and your body actually makes endocannabinoids, which is endogenous cannabinoids, which is inner cannabinoids. So all of us actually uh, are in possession of cannabinoids. All of us make cannabinoids naturally. The uh, most popular 
cannabinoid uh, that's made internally by the body is a cannabinoid called anandamide. And as a matter of fact, anandamide is very responsible for killing pain. Uh, so you'll see that uh, take, when we start looking at different cannabinoid receptors, we start seeing two main receptors. You see cannabinoid 1 receptor and cannabinoid 2 receptor. Cannabinoid 1 receptor is found mainly in the human brain uh, and is found also in the uh, different organs of the body, but the CB1 receptor is most proliferative in the brain. And then you have the CB2 receptor, which is found mainly in the organs. And when we're talking about uh, diseases like cancer or any body diseases, you're looking at stimulating the CB2 receptor. And when we're looking at neuro, uh, neurodegenerative diseases, you're looking at stimulating the CB1 receptor. And also, uh, you can stimulate the CB1 receptors and get a lot of results in terms of body illnesses as well as we're finding out with olive leaf extract and uh, different uh, you know, strains of cannabis main strains of cannabis that people are using to reverse their cancer and Crohn's disease uh, is really the indica strain. And you're looking at Northern Lights, you're looking at LA Confidential. And one that I like a lot these days uh, because of its quick growth cycle and its potency is a strain called Critical Hog. Critical Hog is uh, very effective for nausea, particularly uh, morning sickness that pregnant women may uh, experience. It works very well, better than pharmaceuticals. And people say, the reason for this is that the endocannabinoids are actually found mainly in mother's breast milk. So now you, you take a child and they tell you, you know, children should drink breast milk, not the bottled milk. Well, there's a reason for it. Breast milk has two main things that two main things that protect uh, infants. Number one, uh, cannabinoids. And number two, uh, it has lauric acid, which is uh, the same thing that coconut oil or coconut milk has, monolaurin or lauric acid, which is a strong antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal. And then you have the endocannabinoids within the breast milk, which is helping the baby develop and ward off all types of diseases and actually contribute to the homeostasis and the growth of the child. So when the mother has been taking cannabis, which is, uh, you know, the plant which they call exocannabinoid, which is outside cannabinoid, they're actually feeding their system more than women who do not, and so their breast milk is stronger, and those children benefit better than uh, other children. So it's not enough to say, hey, uh, that doesn't sound good for someone to be taken, you know, cannabis when they're pregnant, but the studies actually bear out something completely different. So I would ask people to start doing Google searches about some of these things before they jump to conclusions about cannabis, because there's a wealth of information out there done by world-class scientists that really show that one of the biggest problems with humanity at this point is that, you know, people are cannabinoid deficient. And when all of a sudden you're able to get cannabis, cannabis, particularly through the oils of the plant, not necessarily through smoking, that's the worst way to get cannabinoids, or the weakest way to get cannabinoids, although um, there are people who have, let's say, Parkinson's disease and they have the shakes, well, when they smoke a joint, all of a sudden the, the shakes go away for the time that they're high. So, uh, you know, smoking can help in terms of 
taking away symptoms, but if you want to get to the core issue and deal with the root of the problem and really reverse the illness, you want to start dealing with the oils and the extractions, which is a whole other conversation unto itself in terms of the best extraction techniques, which you know, I could probably get into in another interview. But um, it's very important that people get plants that stimulate the cannabinoid system, the endocannabinoid system, because we're seeing that that is the reason why so many people are ill, that they're actually deficient in this nutrient called cannabinoids. I know you're working close with Senator Terrence Positive Nelson here on the uh, U.S. Virgin Islands to help legalize cannabis and hemp. What are some of the issues uh, with the current laws in the U.S. Virgin Islands? So what people need to realize is that um, cannabis used to be part of the U.S. Pharmacopeia, which is the compendium of pharmacological uh, solutions for different illnesses. And cannabis was one of the most prescribed uh, medications or plants or uh, solutions for uh, all types of illnesses, ranging from uh, morning sickness, nausea, uh, dementia, and the list goes on. And uh, in 1937, uh, cannabis was made illegal through the Marijuana Stamp Act through dubious measures um, that were facilitated by very dubious men particularly Harry Anslinger, who is the godfather or the grandfather of the modern DEA, and also a man named William Randolph Hearst, who was a newspaper magnate who wanted to uh, control the paper industry. And so he bought uh, acres and acres, thousands of acres of uh, forest land uh, for trees. Uh, He was a leading newspaper publisher, uh, was responsible for uh, what is called yellow journalism, or journalism that's very sensational and, you know, untrue. And he was the father of that, the patron saint of that. And he was friends with Harry Anslinger, and uh, essentially there was a machine that came to being called the Decorticator, which helps to industrialize hemp in a very efficient manner, because hemp fibers are so strong, they would break the machines until they made a decorticator and then had different reiterations of the decorticator. By the time it was 1930s, they had developed a decorticator that was very efficient and how this was going to hurt William Randolph Hearst's business. And so they decided that they were going to make cannabis illegal. And they renamed it marijuana after Mexican tobacco because they wanted to have an ethnic-sounding name. And um, Harry Anslinger went ahead and testified in front of the U.S. Congress and said that cannabis marijuana should be made illegal and the law went into effect and then in the 1970s uh, Richard Nixon passed the Controlled Substances Act and this is the biggest part of the problem where he made cannabis uh, Schedule 1. So um, so till this day cannabis is a Schedule 1 drug and Schedule 1 drugs have the stiffest penalties. The problem is, is that Schedule 1 drugs have to have three standards. Uh, before a drug can really be Schedule One, which cannabis does not fit. Uh, and all three standards must exist simultaneously. Uh, standard one is that it has no accepted medical use in the United States. This is not true uh, because the United States government itso- itself owns a patent on cannabinoids. That patent number is patent number 6630507, and it, it is cannabis uh, cannabinoids as antioxidants and neuroprotectants. So what they're saying is that it actually treats 
uh, HIV, dementia, uh, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and what have you. And the U.S. government has a, has a, a patent on this uh, through the Department of Health and Human Services. How, so how can you say, number one, that there's no accepted medical use in the United States, but the United States government itself has a patent for medicinal purposes for cannabinoids? Number two, uh, there are over 24 states uh, and territories that have passed a medicinal cannabis law and regime. So how can you say there's no accepted medicinal use in the United States? The uh, American Medical Association has just come out and said that it is um, medicinal. Cannabis is medicinal. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have reversed their cancer. It's documented uh, through Rick Simpson's documentary, Run From The Cure, where he's on record of uh, healing over 2,000 people cancer using indica oil. And, um, you know, all of this is out there, so that's standard number one. Standard number two for Schedule One drugs is that the drug could not be safely prescribed by a medical practitioner. Well, that is wrong too because the FDA, which is you know responsible for the safety of drugs uh, in the United States, has approved Marinol, which is synthetic THC, and if it could not be prescribed safely by a doctor then Marinol would not be approved by the FDA. Number three is that it has a high potential for abuse. Well, there is a 1980s case, administrative law judge Francis Young uh, put together a case where they you know, contemplate the rescheduling of marijuana, of cannabis, and the administrative law judge for the DEA recommended that it should be uh, rescheduled. And not only that, he said that it was the, one of the safest drugs known to mankind. And in his evidentiary hearing, he uh, put as a um, point of fact that uh, cannabis, with uh, the lethal dosage for cannabis is uh, 1,500 pounds to be smoked in 15 minutes. That's the lethal dosage according to the judge, the DEA judge. And nobody can smoke 1,500 pounds of cannabis in 15 minutes whereas the lethal dosage for you know uh let's say tylenol or aspirin or acetaminophen is 25 grams in 15 minutes so uh you know tylenol is legal uh, you can get over the counter and you know 25 grams can kill over 50 percent of the population whereas cannabis you would need 1500 grams i mean 1500 pounds so we see that Cannabis should not be a Schedule One drug based on those three uh, criteria that must exist simultaneously, and cannabis does not even fit any one of those criteria. So fast forward to the state laws. Um, in Virgin Islands, uh, state law is, or territorial law, just mimics the federal law of Schedule One uh, status for cannabis. And so the same standards that I just told you, the three standards, apply to the Virgin Islands as well. That's the problem with the law is that People just cut and paste the federal law and into the state law, and uh, you know people are not challenging the Schedule One status of cannabis, which is an unconstitutional uh, uh, scheduling of cannabis because it lacks the rational basis. And uh, even further, it should be uh, set to the uh, strict scrutiny test because the original passage of the Marijuana Stamp Act of 1937 was completely littered with racial animus, and racial animus is a protected uh, category where you, the government has to show a compelling 
uh, interest, governmental interest for passing that law, and also racial animus can be imputed based on disparate effects. And as we know, uh, African Americans are much more likely to be arrested for cannabis, even though the use of cannabis is seen more in uh, what they call European or Caucasian communities. And so you can actually impute uh, racial animus through uh, disparate effects. And uh, even if one did not agree with that analysis in terms of the racial animus uh, that Harry Anslinger showed in first passing the Marijuana Staff Act, uh, even under the rational basis test, which is a lower standard, the government still would not be able to meet that burden. Um, and the rational basis test is what keeps the government from, let's say, making something like peppermint a Schedule One drug. They have to show that uh, there's a rational basis for that. And marijuana, in no way, shape, or form, meets that rational basis test. And so where we are now in the Virgin Islands is that Senator uh, Terrence Positive Nelson has put together legislation for medicinal marijuana and also for industrial hemp. Uh, and we're hoping that uh, this is going to be open to robust debate in the Virgin Islands in 2016. There's already been a referendum passed for the Senate to do something about medicinal marijuana by the voters. And so uh, Senator Nelson went ahead and answered that call and put together legislation so that medicinal cannabis could be legal and people can have a choice to use that as part of their treatment regime for you know anything from cancer to Alzheimer's to Parkinson's to Crohn's disease to all types of illnesses. And I would ask people to just go ahead and uh, Google Granny Storm Crow's list. That's granny, like grandmother, then storm, as in like, you know, a storm, rain, and crow, as in the bird. It's the granny storm crow's list, and uh, she put together, this is a woman who suffered from lupus and cancer and used cannabis oil to reverse those conditions, and she decided to put together a compendium of all the different studies around the world uh, that show that cannabis reverses, uh, you know, diseases from A to Z, and 2014 list was over 700 pages and the 2015 list, you know, separated into um, uh, two different types of lists that's over uh, a thousand pages long where you can actually, you know, research any disease that you're interested in and you'll be able to go to the, most of the studies are on the National Institute of Health website, so you can just click on the links to the studies and read them yourself. And um, it just shows what cannabis and the endocannabinoid system does in terms of reversal of major illnesses and it can really change the healthcare industry. And so this is very important this law gets passed, but we're going to need a lot of education. A lot of people don't know what they're talking about, frankly, when they speak about cannabis. And so it's 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 a battle for us to really engage in the educational process, not just for the public, but also for the policy and the lawmakers who basically have information dating back to reefer madness. And um, that was put together by William Randolph Hearst. And so a lot of times people start, you know, echoing or mooing the um, sentiments of Randolph, William Randolph Hearst and don't even realize it. So I would just ask people to start doing Google searches and to start applying some intellectual curiosity towards this plant that is uh, helping so many people with their illnesses. So how can people here on the island get involved? We're starting to educate people through the Caribbean Hemp Association. What can people do? Well, I think that there needs to be 
you know, monthly educational forums. I think that also people need to write their senators and write the governor uh, and make sure that uh, this is an issue that will get people in or out of office because uh, cancer with cannabis oil. And so the people of Virgin Islands need to have that option as well as opposed to taking chemotherapy, which destroys everything in their mind. Mm-hmm. And most people end up dying from chemotherapy complications before they even die from the cancer. And so this is an option that people need. It's a human rights issue. And people need to let all of the politicians know in no uncertain terms that if you don't vote yes on this, we are going to vote you out of office. And it's, it should be very clear to people. And then the politicians need to decide you know, where, what they're going to do based on the spirit of the people. And so that's what I would ask people do is that when these hearings do come uh, for public hearings on this particular medicinal marijuana law is to make it very clear to every senator and, and to the governor that you know we're not going to take any propaganda on this. We're not going to take misinformation. We're not going to take um, diversions. We're not going to you know we're not going to take anything that's unintellectual when it comes to this particular plant because it's a life or death. And I want to thank you, Haru, for being a guest on the IHAMP Revolution. And you could find out a little bit about Haru at his website, herbalresults.net. And his email is info at herbalresults.net. Thanks again, Haru, for being on the IHAMP Revolution. Okay. Thank you. Have a great day. And I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in today. And make sure that you subscribe to the IHAMP Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review. Follow us on Facebook.com forward slash IHAMP Revolution. Like us and tell your friends. Help us spread the word about the IHAMP Revolution on Twitter and how using hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them. And thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.